Welcome to the Bridging the Generation podcast. I am your host, Malak Arif, and today I have a very special guest coming straight out of the Bay Area, Vallejo, California, to be exact. This brother and his group put Vallejo on the map musically. I'm talking about way before E40, way before Be Legit, way before the click. I'm talking about hits such as Fun, Love's Train, let me put love on your mind. I mean, we can go on and on and on. You know, this brother and this group, they spent, uh, you know, pretty much uh, 10 years at Mercury Records. Uh, then you end up going to Warner Brothers and had another successful career as a solo act. You know, so, hey, this brother has a lot of accomplishments, a lot of accolades and hits galore, gold records, platinum singles, you name it. So with all that said, it is an honor and a pleasure to introduce my next guest, the one, the only, Michael Cooper of Confunction. Let's go. Generation podcast, man. We have Michael Cooper, the legendary Michael Cooper, not Michael Cooper with the Los Angeles Lakers. We have the one and only Michael Cooper of Confunction, brother. How are you doing today? Hey, I'm great. Hey, there's a there's a cool story about Michael Cooper at the Los Angeles Lakers. Talk about there's, it. There's a cool story, man. Two things. One, uh, I actually was uh, called by his staff or office while he was playing for the Lakers to do the national anthem for the Lakers, right? Okay. I think it was right after my first hit uh, on Warner Brothers, Prove My Love and Dinner Ooh, for Two. Mm. Yeah, and uh, right after I'd done those, I got a call uh, from the Lakers uh, front office to come down, and it came uh, from Michael Cooper okay. to inviting me to do the, do the uh, national anthem. Now, here's the cool story, though. During that time frame, like within a, like a week or two of that event, okay. I've I used to do a thing called in stores where you'd go into the stores and you'd sign autographs and people yeah. would buy your record and you sign autographs. I remember um, that. <laughs> well, I doubled up. I doubled up with Shawnee Wilson, right? And Shawnee Wilson was on one side of the table and I was on the other side of the table. Okay. And we, you know, we were standing and people were coming through the, through the record shop door in, uh, down on Crenshaw in LA. Okay. And so pretty long, when we got there, we had pretty long lines there. And it's about a 30, 40 foot line for right. both of us. And as we begin to sign these autographs and certain, you know, t-shirts and things like that, we sign and we have a little conversation, we sign. And okay. the guy was there to say, keep the line moving, keep the line moving. So about five people back, uh, about in the fifth person back, okay. uh, everybody was looking at me and then I'm and I'm signing and I wasn't really looking up. And so I look up and people would be looking at me like all funny, right? You know, I'm thinking my fly open or something. So I, I sign another autograph. People was like really getting angry, looking at me. They had to make eye contact with me, right? They're trying to get my attention. 
So I look up and I sign this one person and, and this little boy right. is standing in line. He's coming up next and he's standing okay. in line with this basketball. <laughs> I knew you was going with it. He's, got, he's standing in line with this basketball. And everybody's looking at me and I look at the little boy and all of a sudden it just dawned on me that, my God, he's come, he wants me to sign that basketball yeah. as Michael Cooper of the Lakers. <laughs> So everybody's like wondering, what in the hell am I going to do? Am I going to tell him, no, I'm not him and, yeah. and, 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 and dismiss him because okay. he was so excited. Yeah. And so, man, I stood as tall as I could <laughs> when he when he walked up to me. I, I said, hey, man, how you doing? I said, you doing good oh, in school? Man, don't He's tell like, me, yeah. don't tell me. Man. And I took, took the ball for him, and I signed it. Michael Cooper, Los Angeles Lakers. Oh, man. <laughs> and, he, and he was so oh, happy, man. man. And he took off, man. And, I, I, you know, of course, I never saw him again. And everybody yeah. just erupted in applause, man. They just like, oh, man. They thought I was going to break his little heart and diss him. And hey, no, nah, man. Did you write the number twenty one and everything? Everything, everything. I had it. I had it down. Everybody was telling me twenty one. Yeah. They was all telling me what to do because they knew I was right. stuck. I, you know, <laughs> they knew I was in a bad situation. Yeah, right. Yeah. And he was probably, he was probably five, maybe six years old, maybe yeah. five or six. So it was, it was, it was quite an experience, man. That was really my, my Warner Brothers days. I that was really that was a <laughs> highlight. When you said Michael Cooper of the Lakers, I remember that. You know, it really just dawned on me. Like, like that's weird because when I think of Michael Cooper, I don't think about the guy for the Lakers. Like, I, I think of I, I think of you. Like, I know you're probably like, man, like, no, I do. I don't think, like, I'm not a Lakers fan. And I just, I, I don't know. When I think of Michael Cooper, I re- I, I just don't think of the, the, the number 21 for the Lakers. Well, it was, Can't it, was explain. Quite a, it was quite a ride for me because I was having hit after hit with uh, Warner Brothers during right. his reign, right at, right yeah. at the sort of the right. tail end of his yeah. reign with the Lakers. Yep. With the Lakers, and, sometimes. And everybody was just kind of like, man, man, you got yeah. you know, you, you ever met him? I said, yeah, I've met him. As yeah. a matter of fact, I met him twice. Okay. I, you know, I met him uh, as a coach for the ladies team, and yeah. I met him as a Laker, so yeah. Okay, so look, let's let's go go ahead and get, that's a crazy, that's a crazy story. I'm, go, I'm glad we started off on, on on such a, a interesting story, but we about to really get into some music. So I hope you have a little time. I tell all my guests, I don't want to keep you here all night, but brother, this catalog, man, we gotta put some respect on it. I we gotta that. put, I we gotta, that. we gotta put some respect on this catalog. So first of all, I gotta ask you, brother, you look good, man. How have you been coping with this whole COVID nineteen? Because you, you you look like you're Asian backwards, brother. Like, man, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I, I rode down today and looked and my gym opened yesterday without calling okay. me. Uh, it had been closed and open and closed and open. And, you know, I really value getting in that gym, you know, and I can't do it on a daily basis. So I right. have to really get in there two and three times a week as much as mm-hmm. I can. Okay. Uh, so I found out it was open today. So one of the, re- one of the things that, that I do, man, I just uh, I stay busy. Uh, I got a house that's constantly needing stuff <laughs> and I've got to, I take care of my, uh, me and my wife, we take care of my, my, uh, one of my number four grandson. We yeah, take yeah. care of him five, five days a week. That's quite Hold a chore. Luckily okay. he started, started some preschool now. So he, we get a little break, but for the most part, man, <laughs> the, the, I'm, you know, got my studio here at the house. Man. 
Nice, and, nice, uh, nice. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, nice. I got a little studio time. I can do stuff, okay. and then uh, I practice a guitar, right? And throw these dumb, these these dumbbells around, and I I do as much fishing as I can. Okay. You know, I get out there on a the fish bank, and then I and then the next day is a whole nother attack. You know, I go into attack mode on the next day for something else. Could be all my vehicles, right? Okay. And then the next day, I'm I'm also with the sheriff department out here, so they may call me to do eight hours somewhere. So it's, it's it can it, and if you start cycling that over and over and over again, and let's not yeah. mention the fact that I you know I am the manager of Confunction. Okay. So the phone is constantly ringing. Oof. So, you know, and I'm, I'm glad you got some time for me, brother. Cause this is, yeah. I, I, I know these things like, like, like I know that you, uh, you know, that you work for the, you, you know, that you work with the, the, the sheriff's department and, and you're, you're heavy in demand as far as an uh, artist. And I know things are a little slow now for everybody, not just you, it was for everybody. Cause with the whole oh, yeah. COVID-19, so it's not like this just directly affecting you, but, um, I know that people want to get in touch with uh, Michael Cooper, not just the, the the Michael Cooper for the Los Angeles Lakers. So I appreciate you being uh, on the platform, brother, first of all. Excellent. Excellent, man. I love being here. I love it. No doubt. No doubt. So, look, I want to say this, man, because a lot of people, when they think of Vallejo, they think of E-40, like E-40 put Vallejo on a map. And I, I have to stop people and say, no, stop it. Before E-40 mm -hmm. came on the scene, you had Confunction. So let's stop all this E-40 and the click. And, and I, hey, shout out to E-40. I love E-40, be legit. I love those guys, great guys. But let's, mm -hmm. let's put some respect on the brothers that came before them that's representing that Vallejo, how y'all pronounce it? Uh, am I pronouncing it right? Absolutely, absolutely right. Vallejo. Yes. Vallejo. I always thought that was a cool name. Even when I was a kid, I was like, man, that's a cool name. But you know, it's you all know. Spanish. All Spanish. All Spanish. Uh, General General Vallejo, uh, all Spanish. Uh, okay. You know, California, you know, is, is a huge part of Mexico. No doubt, no doubt. What people, you know, of course, it's a state on its own, but, you know, California, people don't, a lot of people don't realize that you, you're yeah. dealing with, if you go from one city to the next, to the next, to the next, all all the uh, the names are Spanish. Sacramento, yeah. uh, San, mm -hmm. San Jose, you know, Santa Clara, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. Los Angeles, you know, yeah. San Francisco, San Francisco, yeah. you know. <laughs> San Diego. It's, San Diego. It's Santa all, Cruz. Santa Cruz. Oh, all about, yeah. It's all about them, man. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, we just we just fall right on into it, man. We just fall right on into it. You know, Vallejo is... Um, Hometown, born and raised there. Uh, of course, the band could function started there, but Project Soul, and you, you might have read a little bit about yeah, of that. Of course, of course. Hold on, let's yeah, go. Let's yeah. go. Let's let's go back. I want to yeah. know. I want to know. Growing up in Vallejo, because to my knowledge, I don't know any other musical acts out of that area until you guys came on the scene. So, with that being said. Who was some of your earliest influence in the area, if there were any? My brother Sylvester Stewart. Sly. Sly Stone, man. Sly Stone went to Vallejo Junior College. Sly Stone studied with Dave Froelich, uh, is un and under Dave Froelich and John Cleric in music. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, I was about, I came about five years behind him. But Sly Stone put uh, Vallejo on the map. Uh, he was a DJ, DJ. for a KDIA radio. Wow, he was a, an artist. 
Um, there's so many. I mean, I can just go on and on and on. As, 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 and it's not just in R&B, but also in rock and pop. There's so many groups. People came out of the Bay Area. But Vallejo, uh, Sly got he put his feet in Vallejo a little bit, especially over in Oakland and around in there, you know. But, uh, yeah, we all went to the same college. Uh, and yeah. uh, we were influenced heavily by Sly and the Family Stones. Okay. But oh, yeah. uh, I hear what you're saying, brother. But Sly is from Oakland, right, or San Francisco, like originally. He is. He is. He is. Uh, okay. And he, he, I think relatives, sisters, and brothers, and yeah. everybody at some point spent time in Vallejo. Now, how far is Vallejo from uh, San Francisco from the Bay? Because it, is it is the, is Vallejo considered the Bay Area? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Uh, and, and it's right on the area where it's considered, when you talk about broadcasting range, uh, it's right on the area of, of uh, Sacramento gotcha. and San Francisco. So if you live in Vallejo, you're looking pretty much at when before we got all the smart TVs and apps right. and all that. When you live in Vallejo, you're looking at Channel 7 and Channel 5 and all that stuff mm -hmm. for your news. And as soon as you cross over the hill, about 13 miles, you're in Fairfield, and Backville, which is where I live now. And you you identify more broadcasting wise with the Sacramento area. Okay. So okay. San Francisco is about 35 miles, 36 mm. miles from Vallejo. Okay. Okay. South, so look, south of Vallejo. Mm -hmm. So so let's 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 go back a little bit. Let's go back. So you know, as as a kid, you said you was influenced. Uh, you grew up listening to uh, Sly Stone, and I'm pretty sure you know a lot of other great uh, Bay Area uh, artists, uh, Grateful Dead, and. You know, I don't know if he was a Grateful Dead fan, but I know they was they they from that area in uh, uh, Santana. So, so take me back. When did Michael Cooper fall in love with music, and when did he pick up that guitar? Well, that's serious, man. That, like, well, we're going way, way, way back. Let's go. I fell in love with music, as it'll be told in my book. I fell in love with music when I was three years old. My dad was a big music man. He had all kinds of 78 records and him and my older sister, they had records and, okay. and he'd get up. He was a garbage carrier uh, and he would get up at four o'clock in the morning and put a record on uh, and I'd get up right with him because I wanted to see mm -hmm. how to do it. And yeah, man, so I just kind of, you know, I stacked some encyclopedias up and stand on them and put on a record and didn't know what the hell okay. I was doing. But when yeah. they played, man, I was I was up for the rest of the morning playing music. So that's right. Really, my roots go back to about three to four to five years old as far as listening to music. Mm -hmm. I didn't start playing music till almost really kind of late, till I was about, I say, uh, well, I take that back. I did play a little bit of clarinet okay. in elementary school. Mm -hmm. And then I switched to drums when we got into junior high school. And that's when I got serious about it. I started playing drums in junior high school. Wow. And I met some people. As a matter of fact, I met the first guitar player uh, that we had in Project Soul, Mike, uh, Michael uh, Wilson. Mm -hmm. And uh, he played guitar for us. My mom bought me a bass that I just immediately had to learn how to play. I learned it playing the doggone right. thing in stores. Right, right. And then when she went and, and bought it, and I finally sat down and plucked around and picked it out and doing all the wrong things. And uh, a lot of people, uh, a lot of them, a lot of my white friends would drop by the house and show me certain things, you know, that they knew how to play. And they had their mom and dad had paid money for their lessons. And right. I quickly within about, I'd say about a year, year and a half, okay. I learned how to play the bass. And and uh, with the, my drum 
little drum education I had with the bass. I just kept at it and kept at it. And next thing I know, man, I had myself a group called Project Soul, and I was on guitar. Okay. And we just kept adding members and adding members and kept on and kept on until, you know, okay. the whole the whole Memphis thing came around. So let's and, let's go. Let's slow it down. Yeah. Let's slow it yeah. down, Mr. Kubica. We, <laughs> hey, you're moving a little too fast. Let's go back. Let's go back. So we're going to fast forward a little bit, but we're going to slow it down. You yeah. Kind of like y'all music, you know, kind of like how Confunction do. Yeah. You know? So, so look, let's go. Let's talk about that Project Soul. So Project Soul. Now, what, uh, who were the members in Project Soul? And, and, and you know, was that um, the first band that you actually played in? It was the first and only band I've ever played in. I've never played in any other band except, well, the Vallejo High, High Marching Band. That was the only other band I ever played in. Project Soul started out with four guys. Uh, my, let's see. Well, let's see. Started off with three guys for a talent show. Or yeah, we want to hear these record. stories. We want to yeah. hear these stories, man. Like, I, it was, I think it was function fans. We want to know this stuff. I think it was uh, it was uh, Lewis McCall on drums. Drums. Okay. Um, and I think it was Mike. I don't think we had a bass player. I think we started off in a, in a talent show, or we at the time it was given at the senior breakfast, they should call it. And it was me on piano. I don't probably because I probably rehearsed three songs and all of three songs to play. Mike right, Gentry on time out, time out. Uh, <laughs> like, so we got bass, piano, drums. Hold on. The entire time when I think of Michael Cooper, I think of this amazing guitar player. I had no idea that you played all the other, these other instruments, brother. Man, you, you know what, man? Everybody I know plays multiple instruments. Everybody. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know a soul that plays one instrument. You know, everybody, everybody in Confunction yeah. right now plays multiple instruments, at least one other instrument. Uh, but no, I started I started out on the clarinet. I went to the to the uh, drums. Okay. Drums is actually my number one instrument for, until I just switched when I started actually playing guitar for the for uh, the band. Then I never went back to drums. But I was I was really good on the drums. I mean, I was really good as far as back in that day. I mean, my drummer right now would look at this interview and he would say, you were what? <laughs> did you say you were good? <laughs> you, did you did, did you use that word good, Coop? <laughs> he, he would roast me for that. But uh, no, man. I, I, everybody that I've I, it, coming out of Vallejo, you, most people played multiple instruments. If you yeah. played bass, you played guitar. You know, uh, if, if I know a lot, like Felton, our my my counterpart, Felton. Mm -hmm. plays when I met him to add him to Project Soul right. he was playing trumpet and keyboard at the same time he was playing trumpet with his right hand yeah. and keyboard with his left hand <laughs> I've seen and him then, play, but not at the same time never at the same time at the same time and then he picked up the guitar and sung and sung a song you know and I just came to the conclusion well he must play everything on that stage Right. And so I had to get him in Project Soul. We, we ran into a little situation where it was musically over our heads. Okay. And he was an egghead when it come to music. You know, he was all that in a bag of chips, cross, cross the tracks, brother, you know. know and, uh, <laughs> you know, what I mean, that was across the tracks, brother. You know, he knew all of all all the pop hits oh, and all the proper yeah. chords to play, you know, okay. mom. And, yeah. So it was one of those things, man. Uh, and when I, I realized that 
I, I know a lot of people today, uh, uh, the Trotmans, uh, uh, John, you know Johnny Gill's a guitar player? No, nah, I don't know, but he's from D.C. I know, you know, Johnny Gill. Johnny Gill, Johnny Gill plays guitar. Um, yeah. I mean, I found out everybody. Oh, hold on, time out, time out, time out. I thought you asked me, do you know Johnny Gill's guitar player? Oh, no, no, oh, no. Oh, yes, I do. I just found out that, yes, Johnny Gill plays guitar. I yes, plays guitar. Yeah. Uh, so, yes. I mean, and we could, we could name a whole bunch of people, yeah. man, that, like, I started in Vallejo with Project Soul and I had to play multiple instruments. Yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, at the main those those members used uh, yeah uh, the real project soul was Danny Thomas on keyboards, uh, Michael Cooper on guitar, uh, Mike Wilson on ba on bass, okay, and Lewis McCall on drums, and a gentleman by the name of Carl Crosley, lead singer, and that's how we went and did some talent shows and things, and then it started to change, you know, as months would go by, not not years, but as the months would go months. by. You okay. get different situations going, you know, you okay. uh, Mike Wilson had to take off and go to college on his way to college. So I had to pick up uh, the guitar duties. Right. And then okay. we got a, a gentleman named Cedric Martin. Cedric Martin on bass. On bass we got him. He was like maybe 16, 15, yeah. 16 years old when we got yeah. him. Yeah. Uh, his mom became our manager. That's how she wanted to keep an eye on him, you know. Okay, okay. She let him join, but she said, I got to see what's going on here. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And that was one of the greatest things that ever happened to us because they lived on a military that? base. No. Military base, military yeah. family. Mm -hmm. So we got to the NCO club. We got to the 21 club. Oh, then yeah. we start branching out to other bases and things like oh, that. Yeah. Then, he, So his dad was a, was a master sergeant. So, you know, that ship, she ran a tight ship, man. Just, you know. Tight ship. Yeah, I was so, in yeah, the man. army. I was in the army, so I know about yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So they they ran their household and 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 Project Soul like like military, you know. Okay. So you know it was it, it and it's just Project Soul, man. And I hope when I do the book, uh, I can slow down and capture some of the nuances of the time of Project mm -hmm. Soul because there were some stories and things that literally define whether or not we were going to go forward or backwards or just leave it alone, drop it and leave it alone. Oh. And it, yeah, there were things that came along and happened that made us think, wow, you know, we better, let's do this, you know, and yeah, other yeah. things would come along and they'd say, wow, we'd just be like, wow, you know, yeah. and then yeah. we get a, then we get a bad thing, you know, like uh, Danny and Lewis were in Danny's car and, and, and something happened and, he hit the brakes and ran into the back of another car and threw Lewis through the windshield. You know, wow. yeah, man, that was serious, man. So that and that's that that uh, it, it actually we didn't know it for his, but that had things to do with his entire life unfolding because he had headaches and things like yeah. that. Uh, but he covered it well, man. He wound up, yeah. you know, of course, playing all those hit records. You know, talk all about Lewis a little. Talk about Lewis a little bit, man, because he's one of my. My favorite drummers. What made what what made you realize like you know what? I'm gonna let you do the drums, man, and I'm gonna go ahead and get on the on on, on this guitar because you you get you you doing your thing on these drums. Well, it's 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 just a it's just a, a, a had to be story, you know. It's a had to be story, you know. And you get a drummer like he had his first of all, he had his own drums. And, okay. You know that was very rare. And that was a big for, deal. Yeah. for kids that age that to have a their day. own drums yeah. right yeah. so he had his own drums right and uh and and of course his mom and dad uh, would let us practice over at his house okay because uh, you know it's easier just to leave the drums in one place you know leave them set up 
So Lewis turned out to be a very, very, very locked down drummer, as I say. He was one of those guys, and once he dialed in on the tempo uh, and what he, what he knew to be needed for the song, he okay. hung on to that. Gotcha. One of the reasons we had so many hit records that we did, uh, because we had a very uh, calm drummer. We mm-hmm. didn't have a wild drummer. When, when we finally got to the point where we started recording, that as both as Project Soul and as a Confunction, later okay. as Confunction, you had to go in the studio and your drummer had to be timed down. He had to be locked down in his time mm-hmm. and he could mm-hmm. not be busy. There in is the no pocket. busyness. Yeah, he had to be it, in the pocket. In the pocket. Right. As, as Rufus Thomas used to say, all I need is shock, shock, a do. <laughs> Give me shock shock a do. I don't need all that mess you're playing over there, boy. All I need is shock shock a do. And you would look at him like, what the hell is he talking about? When y'all from the start of you can start the song with shock shock a do, and at the end of eight bars, you can do shock a do. Lead a shock off. We're like, what? And what he, what he was saying is played simple. It ain't about you. It's about the lead singer yeah, and how the people yeah. feel. You make the people feel. Make people bob their head. They can't stop yeah. and listen to you to go blah, 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 blah. Yeah, They want yeah. to just play shock, shock a do and shock a do. And you got the whole thing look all yeah. through the whole song, son. That's what you do. And yeah, once we yeah. learn that, Lewis learned that he made big money in the studio. Because y'all was kids, man. But when y'all, you know, and we about to get into that, but you guys was very, <laughs> very young. Very young. So so let's let's talk about this. Let's fast forward a little bit. First of all, before okay. I fast forward, how did you guys come up with the name Confunction? Because to me, that's one of my, the fate, my favorite. That's one of the, the greatest names of any bands in history, in my opinion. So I want to I want to I want to hear this, brother. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you, man, because uh, yes. a lot of people over the years will would always wonder why we would chose such a name. They 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 what well, they didn't particularly care for it. They just know where did it, why would you call yourself that? Well the thing we when we went to Memphis, we were called Project Soul. We backed up the Soul Children. We were a backup band for the Soul Children. Mm-hmm. And we went we got a chance to start doing some recording on our own. Okay. And when we went in a studio in 73, I think it was 73, 74, uh with a gentleman named Ted Sturgis he made it very clear to us that we were not going to get very far calling ourselves Project So. Uh, he's, and he got us a little recording contract with a local label called Freetone Records. Mm. And he said, but you guys got to come up with something better than that. So I remember we all lived in one house, you know, and we went home and we broke, broke out that spaniata, started yeah, drinking yeah. that wine, and some yeah. people was pumping <laughs> on their weed. And, and they, we sat around. We, so, so we remembered a story. Yeah, that that something that had happened to us. Remember, I said a lot of things happened to us on the way up that would yeah. define whether we would continue or not. Mm-hmm. And one story happened to Project Soul. We we got hired to play a gig called the Unity Festival mm. in Sacramento at the Sacramento State College. It was a three day festival. Okay. And well, they had a mixture of local acts and name artists. Every they would end with a name artist every day. Uh, but all throughout the day, they would have, uh, you know, vendors and local acts playing music. Okay. Um, we got into the Unity Festival on campus and they give us each of us had our own rooms. You know, we, they treated us like royalty, man, like we were stars. 
we had our rooms and everything and we had a place to practice and all that. One morning there was a group on the on our night where mm-hmm. we we're going to on our night one morning there was a group and we knew about new birth. Ooh. We knew about new birth, but we didn't know about this group. Uh, this group was the backup band for new birth. Mm-hmm. And they were outside. We were at the at the pool side. We were in the student dormitories, and they were at the pool. These okay. guys were in their swimming trunks, and this is Sacramento in July, so it was hot. Yeah. <laughs> at, at eight o'clock, nine, ten o'clock yeah. in the morning, it's hot already. Yeah. These guys in their swimming trunks, and they had five horns, right? And they were sitting there at the pool practicing, and they were practicing this song that they were going to play that night. No, mm-hmm. no bass, no drums, no guitars, just right, the horn right. players. Okay. And they were practicing this song. And we just, we, we came out of our rooms and we listened. These cats were so tight and these horns sounded so big and bright, mm. and, you know, and they were playing this riff. And this riff was going, they were going, da 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 And all of them would yell, hey! And then they go, da 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 And then they go, all right. I said, that's really cool. That's bad what they're doing. But it didn't make sense to nobody but them what it it really was. Later on this at night, we found out these guys are the horn players for a group called the Nightlighters. And the Nightlighters backed up New Birth. And, of course, they would play a couple of songs and a New Birth would come out and do the hits. Do the hits, yep. They come up, they jumped out on stage and they say, we're, we're going to do this next song. It's on the B side of our first single, blah, blah, blah. And you got to be careful how you groove to it. Because <laughs> we spell it like this. We call it C-O-N-F-U-N-K-S-H-U-N. Oh. <laughs> Confunction. And then they started the song. Now, when you get off the show today, try to find Confunction by the Nightlighters. Confunction. I was just I was just about to ask because I've never heard that song it, before. That song will speak to you. It'll tell you how Confunction's instrumentation, what Confunction is all about in one funk song. That whole song will tell you what happened to these young brothers that morning at the pool. Because when that dude when they broke into that song, they broke into that song. We our eyes lit up. Yeah, we were yeah, like, yeah. man. And we remembered the song, right. and this, and so we're well, let's go fast forward back to us sitting around in the living room trying to change our name. Okay. And somebody said, "Hey, <laughs> you remember that group in Sacramento that played that song yeah. with the horns? Remember we saw them play it at the pool?" They said, "Yeah." We said, "Yeah, Confunction," and everybody just looked at each other. It was like somebody had just took a, a squirt gun and squirted it in our face, like. <laughs> What? Because right, we had been, right, man, right. we were going, we were thinking about calling ourselves Change, all, mm. all these weird little pretty names and stuff, right, right. you know. And when somebody said, "Yeah, the song can function," mm. and dude, all of a sudden, I said, "Let's use that as a name," and it went around the room. Right. It voted. We voted. It went around the room instantaneously. We went to bed that night and woke up the next day. We were Confunction. Nobody like knew that. it but us. But we yeah. were confunction. We went to the local club. We had a, a steady gig on the wind called uh, Wind's Party. Uh, what's it called? Um, Party Brothers Organization. Anyway, it was a it was a Wednesday night. We played at the Club Rosewood in Memphis, mm-hmm. and we everybody had on the marquee outside. It was an ex movie theater and had a marquee Project Soul. 
Okay. We going, went to, went down there early, had Mr. Bennett change it to Confunction. Just like that. People came, came back. He said, man, nobody know who that is. Nobody knows. He said, look, it's, it's 900 people every Wednesday night in this club, in this place. They, when they walk out of here tomorrow, they'll they know, know who Confunction they know is. Name. Exactly. Right. So when they came in, they we stopped the music. We said, hey, y'all, from now on, from this night forward, we will be known as Confunction. That's our name. We got a recording contract. We had to change our name. There that is. Everybody just started yelling. And then so we just... <laughs> We just went back to the funk, right? Okay. okay. And uh, next thing we know, man, that it was all the rage, all the rage. We put out our first single called Mr. Tambourine Man Mr. by Bob Mr. Dylan. Yeah. And up tempo. We made it up tempo. And it, it sold about 10,000 sing, uh, singles, which was pretty good. For I, was about, that, I was just about to say that's pretty good. Yeah. It sold in Mississippi and, Missis and, and around Arkansas and Memphis. And man, we uh, we knocked it out the park, and we were so solidified as Confunction. Got ourselves a booking agent. He started sending us out to do these showcases at Confunction because everybody wanted to know what kind of a group would call themselves that. What right, is that? Right. And of course, you know, we, we were uniform, tight, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, tight jumpsuits and loud well, colors. And, well, look, hold, you know. on, hold on, hold <laughs> on, Mike. Let's uh -huh. let's let's bring it back. Let's bring it back. Let's let's because you just you said a mouthful. And, and and I want the fans to know how did you get? Because you mentioned you mentioned Rufus Thomas, you mentioned you mentioned Memphis. How yeah. did you guys end up going from Vallejo to Memphis and working with the Soul Children and working with you know uh, Stax Records? And how did that uh, that transition take place? Well, as Project Soul, we were hired. Uh, we were back in California now, and, uh, and our manager was a gentleman, uh, bless his soul, uh, Mr. Uh, Joe Connors, okay. owned a record shop, and he he got his records directly from Stax. All his Stax product came direct. Oh. And we, some of us took terms working in that record shop. And Joe heard about the Soul Children coming to town Right. And they were going to be playing at the at this uh, Angela Davis. They actually had two shows to play, but they're going to play at the Angela Davis rally in Berkeley. I got to stop Anyways, you for a second. I got to stop mm -hmm. you just one second. What year mm -hmm. was this? Oh, great. Uh, let's see. Let me back up. So it had to be 70? Because I'm a 70, Soul Children fan. 70, 71, 72. We were still in, in Watch Stack. We were still Project Soul. So okay. Watch Stack was 72. We changed our name 7374. So it was probably sometime around 1971. Okay. Seven, okay. Yeah, 7071, where right. we, uh, we, we, we got the audition uh, to back up. The, the Soul Children fired their band out in California, and we got the audition to back them up at this Angela Davis rally in Berkeley, California. Mm -hmm. So we had about three days to get ready. Okay. And uh, it was quite a, that was quite an ordeal. Uh, mm -hmm. We got ready. We we managed to play the show. We recreated their hits just as, so good that they said, "Listen, we're gonna rent y'all a car and a trailer, <laughs> and we'll see you in Memphis in one week. We got shows to do. We'll see you in Memphis, Tennessee for rehearsal." And that we packed up. We told everybody, and we're getting ready to go to Memphis, Tennessee, and back up the Soul Children. Uh, parents were like, "What you gonna do? What?" But we were all <laughs> everybody in the band at that point was over over eighteen, and okay. and some of us. I turned twenty one in Memphis, so some of us was over. Everybody was over eighteen, 
So we told him that's what we was doing, and we'll we'll call you along the way when we get there. We want we got into town and we stayed at the Elvis Presley Motor Inn on Elvis Presley Boulevard. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> and and well, yeah, and uh, we wound up doing the show, and we stay. I think we were to sell children at least a little over a year, a little over a year, year and a half. We were to sell children. Now, did you guys perform on their um their their albums, or you just uh, backed no. them live concerts? No. No, we just back. We were just their band for the concert, live concerts. Okay, so you so you got a chance. Uh, well, I, of course you got a chance. So, talk about uh, 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 Blackfoot. You know, that's my. He's one of my favorite lead. You got any stories about uh, about that brother? Too many. Too many. <laughs> Yo, I'll, I'll tell you. I'll just tell you one, this just, one story. Just give me one. Just give me one, please. This man had a habit of coming on the bus. First of all, he slept in the back of the bus across the yeah. four seats. We had a big double-decker. Uh, they had a double-decker Greyhound. And uh -huh. across the back was these uh, four or five seats across. That was his seat because he slept. He'd right. get on the bus and he'd walk past everybody and go to sleep. He had this voice, his speaking voice. He was very scary. He had a very... You know how he sounds when he sings. I love his that's, voice when he sings. That, <laughs> that's, the, that's the voice he speaks with. Yeah, man, man, y'all know, man, y'all got, y'all know what y'all got, man, y'all got to be on time, man, man, y'all got to be on time. You know, man, I, we ain't fooling around. We is professional, man. We ain't got time for nobody being on yeah. late. Y'all be on time. That's how he, that's how hey, he talk to you. You channeled that so well, like, man, when I'm hearing you, he sound, you sound just like him on uh, uh, just one moment and all those that's songs, it. man. He he was Memphis. In at its finest, yeah. coming out of his mouth, <laughs> he was he was dapper, he was yeah. smooth. But let me tell you something: he was the had the he was the sweetheart of a man yeah. because he had he had he had difficulties. You know, he had problems. He done some little time, and yeah. you know, he had difficulties. And that music was his savior, right, and he right. wanted his music to be respected and honored. Mm. And you and you and that means if you supposed to be on time somewhere to rehearse. Yeah. You have it ready when he get there. You don't want to stop by you get it together, you okay. know. And he was scary. Blackfoot was real scary. And so I, I just had those. He would come on the bus and he knew he had intimidated us all. Right. <laughs> he'd come on the bus and he would walk past you on the bus and then he'd turn around. He say, hey, buddy, don't you owe me? Don't don't you owe me some money? I think you owe me some money, don't you, buddy? Yeah, you need to pay up. Don't hey, don't be late with my money, buddy. Right. <laughs> and then he go back there and sleep oh, for the man. whole trip. He sleep oh, for the whole trip. Oh man. <laughs> I'm so glad I asked that question because um years ago I was um neighbors with Carl Hampton. I don't know if ah. you're familiar. Carl Hampton, yeah, yeah. legendary. Yeah, the writer. Yeah. Carl Hampton, the writer. The writer. Yeah. The writer. Me and we, he was my neighbor years ago, back in 2010, 2011. And he produced that, him and Homer Banks produced that last uh, project um, right. that the Soul Children did. And that's one of right. the reasons why I asked you, did you guys perform, uh, uh, did you guys play on that? But he had stories about Blackfoot for days, man. And it was just, you know, hearing you talk about him, man, it just, it takes me back to the conversation that uh, me and uh, uh, Carl Hampton used to have. It's, it was, you know, and I'm, I'm not going to I'm not going to get into all the stories, but they was they was wild. He was he was he was off the chain. You know? Yeah, it was a wonderful time with them. And then, then we learned a lot. We learned an yeah. awful lot. Uh, we had a we had we had a not, not a nasty breakup, but we had a difficult breakup with them because uh, we just simply decided we wanted to be on our own. 
right. and uh, right. and move on. And uh, you know, and we started. We didn't want to just be a backup band because we were starting to back up Rufus Thomas and starting to back. We starting to fall into that. You lose yourself yeah, backing yeah. other people up thing. And we yeah. said, no, no, that's not why we're here. We came here to 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 be our, be ourselves. You know. No, that's right. I know that's right. So okay, let's fast forward a little bit. So you um you 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 guys signed with Freetone Records. And um, you guys released the first. Now, before you guys signed with Freetone Records, you also had a single, um, uh, "Click." Right? Am, am I pronouncing that right? Uh, click. Click was click. was it? Click. Was that, on, that was was that on Freetone? I can't remember. You might be remembering more than me. Um, <laughs> yeah. That came out in, in 70, 73, 74. That that had to be with the same record company because I remember the song. Okay. I remember da, 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 yeah, 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 I remember yeah. the song very yeah. well. And I think that was also with Freetone. Okay. Uh, but it didn't it didn't stick to the wall like uh Mr. Tambourine Man. Mr. Tambourine okay. Man, uh that 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 lit, uh, lit us up with the clubs and everything. Okay, so so you guys um you guys signed with uh Freetone and you released your debut project, um, the self-titled Confunction album. Now, where what um what led to that uh, that debut project, and where did you guys record that at? By the way, well, that was recorded in a studio called AD seventy three, and a at was the gentleman's name was Mr. Sturgis, Ted Sturgis, and he was hooked up with Estelle Axton, who had sold her rights to Stax Records. Stax Records, know? right, right. J Jimmy Stewart, Estelle Axton, yeah, mixed yeah, Stax, right, and, and so right. she had a little. So she started a, a a satellite label on her own, and mm -hmm. we were signed to that label. Uh, it, it it it's it's a little confusing because that label that we signed to we literally had to uh, go through the studio to get to that label and then the studio had signed us to a three year contract and once we did those first singles we did a we we, we were supposed to do an album but we wanted to go we had a chance to go and be right. with Mercury Records and of course they said no so we had to wind up suing them um, hmm. and. Yeah, we had to wind up suing them to get away. And and wouldn't you know, as luck would have it, the judge was a musician. And he was a musician. And he, in the end, we had a wonderful attorney, Mr. George Brown. And he, in the end, would say, so now that I've heard all what I need to hear, you basically want to tie these boys up and 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 do basically do nothing with them. He says, I'm not I'm going to allow you to keep the recorded material that you have. But these boys are free of their contract. That's what's Boom. Up. And man, so that produced us an album called Organized Confunction. And the guy was left with all the Ted Sturgis put out put out the album Organized Confunction. And uh, and there was, that you know, certain songs on there that uh, you have to really dig deep to go find these, this record. That's a nice little, nice little cuts on there. Right, but what right. it did is it freed us up to get away, to be avail available to sign with Mercury Records. And that's okay. how that all happened. Okay. So here we are. 1976, you guys just left uh, uh, Freetown uh, Records. And and it's 1977, I believe, you guys released your, 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 your first album on Mercury Records. Now, who was right. running Mercury Records? And there was a difference in the sound when you guys released that project and, and and talk about that a little bit and talk about the gentleman who I personally believe had 
a strong influence or had something to do with that, you know. So, well, the the sound, geez, the sound of the <laughs> band was we had a hard time in the beginning make bringing our live to the studio, and we had this talk, thing where talk about that a little bit because I've heard artists mention that. Talk about yeah, that. It, you know, when you're playing live, 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 and then you're thrusted into a recording contract. You have to be, have some discipline. That's why they have producers, you know, to be so you can be disciplined. Yeah, we uh, and we had we didn't really get a big producer for our first album. But we got an engineer to try to tell us what we needed to do. Mm-hmm. And so the first record called Confunction, it was laden with what we call original record, original tunes. And those original tunes, each person that wrote original tune thought that everything that they that he played or she wrote had to be. Well, it had to be on the record. It had every little nuance, every little guitar part, every little uh, uh, everything that they played, everything they sung, everything they directed, everything they had anything to do with. It had to be on that record. And then it had to be heard. Oh, Mm. raise the guitar a little bit. I can't hear the guitar. Oh, hey, raise the snare drum. Raise the tie hat a little more. Oh, no, raise the keyboard. Raise, 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 you know. So we had <laughs> no who, idea. Now, who produced yeah, that, uh, that, that, that first album? Um, I think it was a gentleman by the name of, uh, I think we got Ron Capone involved. Um, I'd have to really, you're, you're messing with my memory now. I'd have to really go back and start <laughs> reading some stuff. And, you know, I don't even have a copy of that first album. Yeah, I you do. Know, I, you do. Uh, I, yeah, I, yeah. I'm sure yeah. I can go online and get a copy, but I just, that's the one that I don't have a copy of. I have secrets on, you know, going forward after that. Yeah. But yeah, Ron Capone, uh, there was a couple of engineers that uh, that worked with us uh, in the studio. Uh, a guy by the name of Scott Ives, a uh, young man, his, his dad was a, a, a big time uh, concert uh, constru- conductor. And he's following his dad's success. So he, he produced uh, and a lot of our strings and things like that on that first album. Um, but we were kind of, had a, we had a two album contract and we were running wild with it. You know, we were just out there running wild. And of course it all showed up in the music and the record. <laughs> yeah, and then the record just, the, from the album cover to the terrible album cover all the way, right, it just came out there. And I think it sold about 25,000 copies and, and it just died. Yeah. And, you know, of course, we were crushed, right? And then after that, Charlie Fash, you asked who was running it. Charlie Fash was the head of, uh, of, of that, that branch of music at, at, up in Chicago at Mercury. at Mercury. And he said, don't worry about a thing, guys. And now, it's an interesting story how we met Charlie Fash. That's how we got signed with Mercury. We were playing that same club, Venice Club Rosewood, okay. and a gentleman by the name of Judd Phillips, uh, who had already gotten the Barquet signed, and uh, he called Charlie Fash and said, you want to come down and check out my, our group? And okay. Charlie Fash was good friends with Ray Brown, who was a guy that was book, our booking agent. Mm-hmm. Long story short, Charlie came down at about, caught a plane at about 6.30 in the morning. We set up. We played at this club like on Wednesday nights. So we set up at this club, put on our uniforms at 7 o'clock in the morning, mm-hmm. turned on the lights. Charlie got in a cab, came down to the club. We did our entire show for him. Wow. We played a couple of original songs, and we turned on the gumball machines, the lights. We had the, the uh, orange, bright orange jumpsuits on. We were the bomb. <laughs> he was in the back of the club. It's an old movie theater turned to a club. He's way in the back. We could hardly make him out. And when we hit the last note, he stood up, 
he, he stood up. And he said, I was the leader of the group. He said, hey, Mike, have Jenny give me a call. Got to run. He went out the door. He jumped in the cab, went back to the to the and went flew back to the record company in Chicago. Okay. So we like, damn, what does that mean? You know, ain't no ain't no cell phones, ain't no texting. Right, 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 right. So we got to go home and sit by the phone. <laughs> about two o'clock that afternoon, about two o'clock, three o'clock in the afternoon, phone rings, and it was Judd Phillips, and he says, gentlemen. Congratulations, you are Mercury recording artist. Uh oh. Now, what was that feeling like? Because, because at this Man. time, the Ohio players was already dead. Oh, we was already, all they of was, them were already there. They was burning it. They was burning it up, and the Barcades was already dead. So talk already about there. that. Talk well, about we, that. First of all, we lost our minds. Right, we <laughs> lost our minds. You know, we were we literally lost our minds, yeah. and. We had to play our regular gigs leading up to the signing because we had to get an attorney and the attorney had to go yeah. through the contract. And so it was, it was going to be weeks before we actually got signed. Mm -hmm. And we had to write the music. We had to write some more music. Mm -hmm. So all that stuff, we were so busy and so excited. We were just besides ourselves, right? right. We didn't even have time to think about the money that we were about to receive. <laughs> We were so excited with the notoriety of being Mercury recording artists that yeah, we all yeah. we can think about is music, music, music. Okay, let's get these live gigs out the way. Let's try yeah. this song on, on the next gig. Let's fly this song on the next gig. We're gonna try this uh, out on this people. So we were so we had more than an album ready to go. Just right. didn't have any hits. <laughs> but okay. we, we did so going back to that first record, it came out, boom, and it was gone. No, didn't have it. Charlie Fast said, Look, we got one more record on this contract. I'm going to hook you guys up. You guys go home. Go back to California where you can be not happy and go home and, and record. And I'm going to hook you guys up with some people out there, right? Mm. We get out there, man. And on the way, uh, I should say leading up to that departure for that trip, we were going to do a, a, a club in, in a club Nairobi in Little Rock, Arkansas. And on the way up the highway, I was doodling around with something in the back of the van on the guitar. We got there. We had an old four-track tape recorder, TAC, okay. old four-track TAC. I sat down. Whoa. Yeah, old TAC. I was plugging four channels. You plug in one channel, and then you go to the next channel and overdub like that. I, I stood there in front of that TAC, and I, I first one track was my drums. On my, I played the drums on my guitar. I just scratched on the guitar. Second track was one guitar part. Next track, another guitar part. Next track was the bass part, right? Okay. On the way back home, I wrote the lyrics. And by the time I got back home and we got out to California and put this thing together, that was and it was called Fun, Fun, Fun. That was our first single and a number one hit. Number one hit out the park. So so you on that on that secrets album, because I want to talk about this project. This is my I love the secrets album. You all you also you wrote fun and you wrote confunctionizer. Which is mm -hmm. another another mm -hmm. slapper right there. So so on this particular album, I noticed the sound got a little smoother, got a little sleeker. It was still mm -hmm. funky. It was still funky, but you got like songs like "I'll Set You Out Okay" and mm -hmm. "Who Has the Time." So talk about the brother that produced that project because I think a lot of people don't know about this this brother, and I feel more people should know about 
the one and only Skip Scarborough. Talk about you, uh, you guys linking up with him and putting that together. Well, now, you know, Skip Scarborough came an album or two later. Yeah. Oh! Skip, yeah, Skip Scarborough came when Secrets and, uh, you know, he's playing on a lot of that stuff, man. You know, no, that that's came what I'm saying. Yeah. No, that's, that's what I'm talking about. The, uh, the, the, um, the project from 70, that's, uh, that's Secrets, right? No, the the first one, Seek um, Secrets is the first name of Mercury. the second second CD on Mercury, and yeah. that was produced by the band. That was produced by the band and ver and just various people that we would run into, and we just got lucky and, and on, time we time had time that. Uh huh. Time out. Hold on, hold on, because this I thought this the Secrets album is the one when you guys are uh, like um, the, breaking into the in, in the safe. Right. That's it. That Skip Scarborough produced that one. No. No, hold on, hold on. Wait a minute. Skip Scarborough did not produce the first album. When we got to Secrets, that's true. We got to Secrets. We did yeah. not speak. See, Skip came in later in the project, I should say. Okay. Because I see his name on yeah, the he did he did not, yeah, he did not produce fun, fun, fun. Okay. The band okay. produced fun, fun, fun. So what happens is that the project, they, they hooked us up with Skip inside the project. And so when you hear secrets and yeah. things like that, yeah. Um, Spirit of Love, the next Spirit set record, it. and yeah. all that. That's Those two are Skip Scarborough. No, because I fun, asked that. Okay. Yeah, Fun, I, Fun, Fun came was yeah. on that album, and it was produced by the band. So I think that's what meant. What I was confused. I was dealing with fun, and when you said secrets, right? Right. right. Then I was like, going, okay, wait a minute now, because I know Skip did secrets, but I did fun. So it was kind of a split project. Now the next okay. project, okay. the next project, I should say, the next couple of projects, Love Shine by Skip. Yeah, Love, Love yeah. Shine. Yeah, that's when you start really getting into uh, some serious Skip Scarborough work. Okay, but okay. yeah, but but Skip Skip did produce the secrets and stuff like that. But that brother, to, to, to elaborate on Skip, man, he changed the world for us when it comes to studio discipline mm -hmm. and really learning how to make a record. That brother brought the knowledge of Earthwind, the knowledge of, of Charles Stepney. He brought all of that to us, and he even spanked me one time on uh, over the microphone. <laughs> He sure did. He told me, he said, man, you know, the day you tell me that you're perfect, he said, hey, Mike, the day you tell me you're perfect, man, I'll, I'll return my fee, man. I'll just return my fee, you know, because I don't think you're perfect, Mike. You, you, you're telling me, Mike, that you're perfect, you yeah. know, and I'm like, uh-oh, this brother getting ready to quit, you know. Oh, and, you know, man. And, you know, and I'm like, uh-oh. And everybody was kind of like, oh, man, Skip, don't, he don't get mad. He just get rich. You know, and he said, man, <laughs> I like that. He, told like, me, he don't he get told mad, me. he get rich. <laughs> so I said, so I said, well, Skip, what do you want me to do? He said, we got to change that line, man. That line, I know you wrote the record, but we got to change that line. That's not going to work. <laughs> which, which, <laughs> so one was, which, which one was this? I don't know. It was, I think it was a, it was some, some song, Love Struck or something. Now, it was one of those off the cuff records that yeah, you just yeah. write. You right. write the night before you go in the studio and that kind okay. of thing. Okay. And but it was a lot of times I would uh, I was real cocky and really arrogant. And I would think that if <laughs> I wrote it, since I had the hit fun, fun, fun written, right? And, and ready to and, go. And you, know, you had that yeah. one too. 
uh, you know, I had written that, so I thought, well, if I write it, it's got to be perfect. It's got to be just right. It's got to be just like I wrote it for it to work. And when you get a, a producer who's yeah. worked with all the people that Skip worked with, you know, you yeah. know if he say they need to slow down, speed up, need to do yeah. this, need to change this chord, change yeah. that chord, change this, yeah. that's what you do. And yeah. we've once we dialed into that, then we've got some smooth, silky, cool stuff. You know? <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, because uh, at the time, Skip Scarborough was working with, you know, uh, Earth, Wind & Fire. He had he wrote yeah. Love, Love Ballad for LTD. Right, so right. This brother, he knew, he he, he knew a little, a little, a little something about some music. Oh man, he knew some a little more than a little something. Man. He he was he was absolutely fantastic with us, man. We were lucky to get him for the second album, yeah. and hold on to him as luck as as much as we could. Okay. Uh, and you know, all those years went by after that, and I used to wonder why I loved each and everything he ever touched, every piece of music he ever did. I just loved it. Right? There was a piece of music that he wrote that I had no idea he had wrote it, but I loved it. And I couldn't get enough of hearing it. I should put it and play it over and over and play it over and over again. Uh -huh. And one day I listened to Alexa. I was talking, arguing with my Alexa. <laughs> and I said, Alexa, who wrote this song? I and she said, this song, this song was written by somebody in right. Skip Scarborough. Is that yours or mine? Talk. That's, yeah, that's mine. <laughs> <laughs> I was just about to say, please don't say that. And I got my headphones on, so I don't know how it heard that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, they believe me, they do. But anyway, she yeah, said the song was written by it was somebody and Skip Scarborough. And I had to back up again and ask her again. And it was uh giving you the best that I've got by Anita uh, Anita Baker. Baker yep. Yeah, I was yeah. saying, no wonder I love this song. Yeah, I had no yeah. idea it was his. Yeah. I didn't know it was his. I said, I why, why? Then I had to listen to chord progressions. And I went like, oh yeah. my God, that yeah. is him. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Another so, one. I got a, I got another one for you that came out the same year. You know it. Uh, you, you heard it a million times. Uh, don't don't ask my neighbors. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We knew about that one. That yeah. was a that was a that was a family, that was a kitchen song. Oh man, that cause we we were all, that's what that's what shocked me so much because we you know all the Bill Withers stuff, all the all the Earthwind stuff, uh, don't ask my name, all the all the motions, all that stuff I knew about, and then there was he used to always talk about Alta McLean and Destiny. He used to always talk about them, you know, but I didn't know their stuff. I I, I knew the one or two hits they had, but I didn't right. know the nuances of them. And and when I and when they, I didn't know he worked with uh, Anita Baker, yeah. I had no idea, right? You know, he went on to be seriously bigger than he already was, you know. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, mother's man, I love that man. Mother's Finest and LTD. Yes. Uh, yes. You, uh, yeah. you, you can't hide love for uh, yes. Earth, Fire. Yes, yes. Yeah. 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 So, so I just want the fans to know, man, like this brother that was that was producing these, these confunction albums, this guy... It, 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 He's a legend, and I think more people should know about him. And it's what he's one of the reasons why I love you guys so much because I, I felt like that that uh, unity between you guys, man, especially on that second project, that Love Shine project. Whew, let's get into yeah. that. Let's get yeah. let's get into that. But hold up, before we get into that, before we talk about this, I said I have to ask Mike about this album cover. 
that Secrets album cover is the flyest album cover of the 70s, man. You brothers are looking good, man. Like, y'all shop. Like, man, I'm talking about all of y'all, man. Like, to talk about that album cover, man. Whose idea was that? And then on the back of it with the lady and whose idea was that? Well, it was it was a combination of people, but the person who put the stamp on it and really, you know, really kind of organized it and really kind of made sure that we were dapper uh, was Linda Lou McCall. She was the uh, the drummer's wife, and she Linda did. Lou, yeah, Linda Lou, yeah, Linda Lou was uh, she was a, she want to put that that stamp on uh, the you know you boys need to look like and act like stars, you know, and 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 uh, we took that to the record company that we wanted to. You know, the, the record was going to be called Secrets. And then I forgot who said, maybe she did, but along with some of the ladies at the record company, they set up a thing at the, one of the local banks. And we were able to go down in there before the bank opened and, and take some quick shots. And we had all the, you know, all the, the store, the different hey. stores donated all the suits and everything. <laughs> hey, brother, you, hey, Mike, yeah, hey, you was looking shot, bro. I swear, man, you, Paul, uh, 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 Lewis, man, y'all was, Hey, that is my favorite album cover. I think I see it up here on the wall. Yeah, I I see see it up here on the wall. Yeah, I I have it somewhere in my little studio. I said, man, I got to grab it. I got to grab it. I I have it, but I I had to ask you about that album cover, man. This would not be Bridging the Generation podcast if I let something like that just, just slide, man. So look, let's fast forward. Here we go. 1978, my personal favorite Confunction project, which is hard because at this time, man, you guys on a roll. You guys yeah. on a roll. You got the number one hit, but then you coming back with this love shine project, and it got shaking dance. It got so easy, but the sleeper cuts to me, my opinion, love shine, magic woman. I think I found the answer. Want to be there? Like talk about like what was, what was the vision going into this second project? And this second project. Hey, brother, well, this project is crazy. Everything about Confunction has a story. We got put under the gun by fun. That's all I like to say. Fun put us under the gun yeah. because the record company, the record went up the charts so fast. Yeah. The record company had called us up. We were on the road touring, right? Mm-hmm. And the record company said, listen, y'all got to have a backup tune right now, quick and in a hurry. And we noticed that the Barcades used to always design their album cover and name their songs before they ever created them. So I, that's I, one I, of the... I, I interviewed Larry Dawson and, and, and he, he he admitted that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so that was one time. We, we didn't do that very often, but that was one time. We had to come up with another record while we were on the road, right? And we had to name the album, right? And have a single ready right away. So the, now, the album had to be named and so that it could be talked about. And it, we, couldn't go in a, we couldn't go in and take a cover pit shot because we were on the road. So it had to be a graphics album. So the one thing, they had a beautiful graphics uh, artist out in San Francisco that came up right. with this. Uh, uh, this um, it was an aluminum heart. He had it made. Mm-hmm. And he took this aluminum heart and put it up against some, some shots of Lake Tahoe. And, and did some things, I guess, uh, they didn't have the computers they got now, but whatever they did, right, right. it came out, and the, the, the this record was called Ooh. Love Shine, love right? Mm-hmm. And the song had to be tailored around what you see on that on that heart, man. Yeah. And 
So I here's here's the kicker. Every every album had a kicker story. And here's the kicker story for 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 a love shine. We were playing in Montgomery, Alabama, okay. right? And I, and I don't forgot the name of the school. Big school had a big marching band, hundred and some piece marching band. This marching band came out on the street on the field and played fun, fun, fun. Played. They had they had prepared fun, fun, fun because we had, we were playing with LTD and some other groups at at the big Coliseum show, and we got a chance to go to football game. And so they came out and played fun, fun, fun on the field, right? Do we get the call that day that they need a song? Yeah. I'm walking, listen, I'm walking back to the hotel from the stadium. And I hear this guy comes up to the red light. I'm walking. And he comes up, this dude has his window down. And he's mm. playing this, playing this song loud as hell. And it's like, oh, honey, honey, do that, you are my candy girl. Right? And I'm listening to this. I'm going, that's kind of cool, right? I get back to the hotel, man. I go straight to the bus, turn on the TAC. The TAC is on the bus, plug in the guitar. And I came up with these chords, right? And I start. Grooving with these chords, kind of like man. the Archie's Sugar Sugar. Yeah. And of course, I put yeah. a bridge in mine. So okay. if you play the first part of Shake and Dance with me, yeah. that is, you can sing either lyric over Shake and Dance with me. Uh -huh. So you can sing the Archie song over the top of Shake and Dance, and you can sing Shake and Dance over the top of the Archie song. Only mine de departs and okay. goes to the girl, you got that sexy smile. Yeah. So yes, yeah. I had. I came up with that song, yeah. right? Back to San Francisco. I had to, that's when I first we had to fly back to San Francisco. Okay. We were uh, we were in mission in the mission district, mm -hmm. and we laid down. I laid down the track. Came back the next day with the lyrics. Was, oh, boom! They sent the damn thing out to Mercury. Next thing we know, before the album is even done, Shake and Dance with me coming up the charts. Fun, 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 going down the charts. We crisscross <laughs> on the charts. Wow. And see, that's when I knew that God is involved mm. with everything because it that song came out of me just like Fun, Fun, Fun came out for yeah. a specific reason. Fun, Fun, Fun was going to save and start our career. Shake and Dance with me was going to keep it going. Mm. And, 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 I, you guys, and you guys sure kept it going because that project right there, that was the big that that was the second one that went. I think you guys had like five albums that went like gold, and it. I yep. mean, like well, we, it was it was it was crazy, man. Like well, when, when the record fire. when when Love Shine came out, Shake and Dance with Me was like top number eight or number nine or something yeah. like that. The record dropped right, yeah. and we got up. We got to Chicago. We were playing in Chicago at Soldier Field, and we got Chicago, and we walked into the doggone hotel. Everybody's room had a big bouquet of roses a big old thing of chocolates and fruit and a plaque. Everybody had their own plaque and okay. it said love, sh congratulations, love shine, certified gold in six Ooh. weeks. That's that. Now, now that right there, that's not easy to do. That's not easy to do. That is the only record. The only record that's got, that went gold that fast. It's yeah. certified gold in six weeks. It got, it got 500,000 records ordered in six weeks. What did I just tell you, Michael? That's my favorite album by Confunction right there. And and me saying that's my favorite album, 
that's almost like saying that's my like like saying who, who, what's your favorite child because the secrets album is ridiculous. The album that came after that, the candy album, is ridiculous. You know, oh, so man. you got you you guys was on fire. So talk about you know you guys' relationship. What was the the process like? Because you it, it seemed like you will write some songs. Felton will write some songs, and um, you know you you had this. You guys had a just a, a, a very unique way of just putting together albums and crafting these different intricate melodies. So talk about the, uh, you know, uh, talk about how you guys the process of putting these songs and these albums together. What was it like? It was it was interesting. Um, our process was individual. Uh, you you had two chief writers in Confunction. That's Everybody could write <laughs> write a little music. Yeah. But the two people were the two lead singers and the two and the chief writers of Confunction. Yeah. And we really didn't start collaborating until down. We got further down into the what well, I should say, the uh, seven, uh, six, five, six, maybe maybe Candy and places like right. Chase Me. We did, you know, things like that. We would he would write his songs. I would write my songs. And then me and him both would team up with an individual every now and then, uh, either outside the band or inside the band and write music. But for the most part, I just designated myself. I just was the self-appointed man that's going to come up with the next radio hit. <laughs> I had to. That's all I cared about, making yeah. the radio hit yeah. on the album. If I can get two, that would be great. But we yeah. got to have one on each album. And so I would always go go at that just like that. So when you yeah. go fun, shake, and dance, and you have a chase me, that's when me and Felton hooked up. Felton wrote the track, right, right. and I wrote the lyrics, right? And then that turned out to be a winning combination, right? Because it, it, it just took off like a rocket. You know, you could chase me <laughs> and then you got got to be enough. Right, and right. Then you, you know, you got to just kept on misgot the but, body. But, 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 look, but look, let me let me slow down. You probably wonder why I'm laughing. I'm, I'm smiling so hard because I'm, you mentioned <laughs> you mentioned that you was a little arrogant, <laughs> you know, back in those days. A little bit, a little bit. Oh, and yeah. I'm thinking, I'm thinking like, man. Now I can I can kind of see why because you wrote you 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 wrote uh, uh fun you got you got confunctionizer and then you got shaking it so you on a roll right now yeah <laughs> you, yeah you, you on a roll and 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 Felton, like we we at the time we don't we didn't know that Felton was gonna go on to be who we became later with MC Hammond or whatever you know even though he was writing some dope songs I love I love yeah. uh, his writing he's dope too but. I mean, you 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 had the winning formula at this time as far as the uh, singles. So yeah. Oh, was, yeah. It ever, was it ever like a little, you know, like a little rivalry between you and Felton? See, there's a there's a whole nother story that that <laughs> that that comes out of that. We didn't ever become rivals to because yeah. to me, I couldn't hold a candle to his writing, to his his writing style, his chord progression, his, his musicianship was way over my head, but I could play guitar. And if it was within the guitar realm, mm. I knew guitars, guitars, drums, and bass were funk. That's, that's what, you. that's what, and that's what the defined the band was the funk of the band, guitars, okay. drums, and bass. And I could play my guitar. And if I needed a, an additional bridge or a chord, I knew I could go to him for it. But sometimes I got lucky. Like in mm. Too Tight, I wrote the Too Tight all on the guitar. Same way I wrote Fun, I wrote Too Tight the same way. 
same way I wrote Shake and Dance. I wrote them all the same way, by my all by myself. And then they just happened to go to the band for for homogenizing. And next thing we know, we got a hit record. But when I teamed up with Felton, I got the sophistication of the chord progression. And here's the trip right here. We did Chase Me, right? Boom. It, it took off like a rocket, right? Yeah. Right? Got to be enough. Boom, nice. right? Yeah, yeah. But there was one song that has a very funny story, man. I got it. Collab we collaborated by quite by, uh, you say, you, what do you say? Um, you said rival. We weren't rivals. We were literally enemies. We were enemies on one song. And I'll tell you <laughs> how it happened. Felton gave me this track, right? And it, it was smooth, mellow track. I think I know. But, he, but he had written lyrics for it already. I think I and know. And he gave me this track. And he gave me this track, right? I hadn't do nothing with this track. I had a version of his lyrics, and I had just a track. And I had my studio at home, right? I and him start dating the same girl. Uh-oh. And me and Felton, we started to say, we didn't know it at the time. She was playing us both, right? And they got busted. Because, you know, she she locked me out one night about, <laughs> about one or two in the morning. I'm supposed to go up there, you know, and jump in the bed and do what I'm going to do and then go on back home or spend yeah, the night, yeah. whichever I wanted to do. No, but no, one night, no. one night, I goes to the little phone booth because you got to be buzzed in. I call her up and she say, I say, hey, buzz me in. I'm coming up. She said, Michael, sugar, darling, one of New Orleans people, right? She said, you can't come up. <laughs> I said, what do you mean? I said, what are you talking about? She says, you cannot come up here. Somebody's up here. I said, what? You know, I said, who's up there? She said, well, you know who's up here. You, you know, you're always acting like you don't know, yeah, you know, yeah. but I can't let you up here. I said, and I said to her, I mean, I'm so hurt, right? And I'm, yeah, I'm this yeah. burly brother from the streets, right? And I say, listen, if by chance you just open the door and let me come up, and I, I just want to see you, right? I'm about to cry. Classic she song said, right here. She, she said, I'm not, not going to say the song, but <laughs> this is a classic. Continue, continue, continue. So she said, I ain't going to let you up. You need to go home. Just we'll talk about it tomorrow. Go home and go to bed. I'm I'm got I'm driving this big this this damn Porsche Turbo with a whale tail on it, big old green Porsche man. I'm rolling down the street, hitting the highway, boohooing, tears running down my eyes because I know what's up. I get home, I get in the bed crying, everything. So I, I get I'm you know I'm like damn. So I'm in the bed all you know I get up about five six o'clock in the morning, go down go to the kitchen and I, I caught a glimpse of my studio. Uh-huh. And I went in the studio and I rewound this big ass tape and I and something happened and I hit play and the, and his track came on. Oh my goodness. And I listened to the track and all of a sudden I didn't I wasn't it, I didn't have any more pain cuz like you like I guess God he said that stupid line that you uh, no brother no yeah. black man is going to yeah. say the words if by chance, yeah, will you let me come over? Yeah, or will you? Well, I said, if by chance, will you open the door? <laughs> and I sat there and I got to thinking about. I mean, I'm all right about exactly what just happened to me three hours oh ago. 
goodness. And I sat there and I wrote, I listened to the front of the song and it was playing. And so I wrote down all night. I can't sleep. I'm too hurt. I'm too weak. I oh. got to call her up. Hey, 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 we got to take a time out. Cause this, this, <laughs> this, 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 this is taking me back, man. This, this is taking me back. Go ahead. Continue, man. But I mean, I, I sat there and I wrote the, the verses, right? And then when the the music changed, and yeah. I had no I had no hook, but I had a second verse because I could I already had heard her say the words in my head, mm. right? She said, "Sugar, honey, darling," right? I saw I use the words what she said to me, and she said, "You know, but someone's over, but but baby, yeah. I really want to be with you, but you know, but then, but what she really said that you can't come up here." Because it's going to be bad if you come up here. Oh, right? My goodness. And basically, she said, I'm not going to destroy this group. I'm, I'm not letting you in. So you, you just go home. And I wrote it down. And then I repeated it. What I said, if by chance you let me just, but oh. I said, hold you. <laughs> and then I said, exactly, I'm down on the street. I want to see you. See you. I kept, and I just kept writing exactly what happened to me. And then I, I just brought it all together because then I got my hook finally at the end. I brought it together. I just said exactly what happened. If you find that special yeah. lover and, and you know, your heart ties yeah. you to another yeah. because yeah. that's the way it goes. And then I just came up with on, on Love's Train. And that tune, <laughs> that song. Now, this the story don't end there, brother. It don't end there. Oh, That's man. just the keep beginning going. of the story. Keep going. Keep going. Keep, keep in mind, this is this is how we would choose our songs for the records. Each person yeah. would go into our studio down in Vallejo. We had we owned a building down there in the studio and everything. And everybody would go in, and this one reel would stay on the machine. By then, we had a big eight eight track TAC, no, and right. one reel would stay on the machine. And it would always be positioned. Somebody would split the splicing tape for the next person to finally to add their music. Nope. Go ahead and work. And then when you get done with your work, add your music to this reel. Because what's going to happen, we're going to all sit down and we're going to vote on which tunes are going to be sent to Mercury for the next album. Mm. So keep in mind, I had a track that I had written well, along with other tracks. I put my, I go down to the studio and I put this on the reel. Gotcha. Keep in mind, this record, this this music already has lyrics. Oh, another we got set lyrics. of lyrics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, we're, so fast forward to the day comes. Now, of course, me and Felton are on the outs. We ain't speaking, right? Oh, I would have wanted to. Straight we, we're on the outs because yeah. of the, this whole situation. Yeah, yeah, and by yeah, now, yeah. by now, maybe three, four weeks then passed. So everybody then found out about it. So we're on the outs. And we got we had this big meeting in the control room. So we wrote, okay, we studied, everybody get the pad and pencil out. We're going to do the vote. The reel is full. It's time to listen to the reel. Mm. All of this music, most people are hearing for the first time. It's each other's music. We're doing a, um, a Motown thing, you know, like Motown. They vote on, like, they vote on like, it, right? Very gorgeous. So, yeah. Right. So the music's <laughs> going along. One song played, two song played, three song played. And all of a sudden, this, song, this one song comes on. Wrapped up. Doom, 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 doom. It plays. And so it's going along, and we're kind of listening to it. And it's it's it, uh, the hook was through the eyes of the world, through the eyes of you. Da, 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 da. It was great. Okay, you know, next song plays. Next song plays. A whole bunch of songs go by. 
about 30 minutes later, same song comes on, doom, 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 bam, you know, and so everybody's kind of bothered. We already heard this record. So me, I'm sitting there, I ain't saying nothing. So I go, y'all ain't, y'all no, I say, I say, now everybody know that me and Felton, we done wrote Chase Me, we done wrote yeah. all this stuff together. But yeah. I say, well, no, this is my version of the same, uh, of, 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 over the track, right? Uh, Felton, that's just, you know, same way me and Felton normally write. That's my, that's me over the track. Cause you know, we were on the outs. So we ain't done nothing for this album right, yet together, right, right, right. you know. And he, so he's sitting there. So the record come on and everybody's bobbing and it comes on. And it's jamming. And, and keep in mind, this the, the, the eight track version to me was better than the, the, the version that actually got released. No, so we had to re-record it. The one you hear is the one we re-recorded. Now, That's now how, do, you, do, you have, do you still have that? Nah, nah, I don't have no idea where that version, where that is. I would give a, I would, I'm telling you, I would oh, blow up, I could man. find that. But anyway, I, 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 I sat there, I listened to it, the record faded out. So and then okay. comes another record, then another one. So it's time to vote. And so we tally up the votes. And all these, you get so many songs, get so many votes, then that's the one that's going to go on the reel to go to Warner Brothers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm not Warner Bros. I was a Warner uh, Mercury, Mer- and so we we tally up the vote. So the song "Love Train" and the song "Eyes of the World," all hands down, "Eyes of the World" gets one vote. "Love Trains" gets all six of the other votes. Right, right. Come time to to to, to say, okay, let's read off all the signs songs that are going to be on the reel. Mm-hmm. Boom, 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 boom. Felton stands up. And he says, I would like to withdraw my music from the song Love Train. Right? <laughs> so, and he, you know, so everybody looks at him like, so what, what are you talking about? I, I just want to pull my music from that song. Because now he's hurt. His feelings are hurt because I didn't wrote what happened on the right, damn right. music. But everybody knows. Right, right. So, so Danny... And, you know, Danny and I were never big fans of each other. We always butt heads. You and Danny, sweet man, Danny, sweet man, sweet man, Thomas, sweet man, sweet man Thomas um, <laughs> took a drag off of his joint. He said, yeah. Felton Pilot. He went, took a drag off that joint, and, and he coughed a little bit. And, I, and I'm going to tell you, I don't know if you have to bleep this out. And he so said, Felton, you would deny us a motherfucking hit. <laughs> over this bullshit you and Michael going through? He said, man, this is what records are made, oh, made of. of. Yes, sir. <laughs> he said, right. this is a man. motherfucking hit. Yes, he said, oh, you lost your mind. <laughs> and everybody's looking at Felton and Felton's sitting there. He goes, okay, okay. Yeah, man. I, okay. And he started bowing. He started bowing. I changed my mind. I changed my <laughs> And then we all just fell out laughing. Hey, 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 Mike. Hey, Mike. We call that, like today, we call that getting in your feelings. He was yeah, in his feelings. Yeah. 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 And he, we all, we laughed our asses off, man, because it was just, you know, I looked at him and looked at him like we gave a big hug. And I was like, damn, dude. We just put the experience on the record. You know, so, yeah, and, yeah. and so now we never spoke of it anymore after that. We oh, went on yeah. and we went in the studio. We went in the studio and we did the record and the record came out. And now what happened is this album did not have a hit. 
I, I, okay, slow down. Explain that to me because Love Train only reached, I believe, like number forty-three or something like that. Twenty-three. No, 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 no. That was the that was the the single that got released. I think it was Miss Got the Body. Yeah, yeah, it was that on. Only, yeah, Love Train was never a single. It was wasn't it? A, it was the B side, right? It's never a single. Never got. Never ever. You why? Why you can. You can never why? find any statistic, and I'll tell you why. The record turned out not to have a hit on it, except for Love Train. They found the radio stations would not play Miss Got the Body. They started playing Love Train off the off the album, and so when they had the conference call, all the all the promotion men called in and said, "We, we got a problem, man." We got a record that's getting more played than the damn single we out here trying to rec to work, and won't, let's let's hurry up and release it as a single. The, the company said we can't. We we already have a single out there. She said, "I tell you what, we do. Leave it there. Let make tell them to go ahead and cart it up that it's coming as our next single, but let them start playing it off the album. So right. record at that time, you have to put the, the music on a cart, and then it would go to the control room. So that all the stations were told to go ahead and cart it up." Because Leo Confunction had clout, right? Go ahead and cart it up because that's going to be the next single. And then on the conference call, he says, and then we never we never release it. That makes people got to go buy the album. So they oh, sold. They, they forced that's the record smart. to go go and not people had to go buy the album to get yeah. Love's Train. Now, why wasn't it released as a single, though? It was too late. It was too but late. It was it being played already. No, it should have never been too like the. <laughs> Like it should have well, been it was too late to them. It was because they had a machine. It was a machine. You know, the record company was like a machine. They, they they had a number that was assigned, and you know they couldn't. They had a first release, then a second release, yeah. right, and then a third release. Well, they it, it became obvious that there was not going to be a a strong record off that album, and that Love Train should have been the first single, and it wasn't. They goofed. They missed it. So they said, okay, since we missed it, let's just fake past it and leave it there. Let them, let them have to go buy the album. Yeah. And then we'll come out with the second single. I don't forgot what the second single was. I don't know. I don't know what it was, but that love train was getting all this superpower play, right? It never charted. The record wound up selling 400 and something thousand. And the record company went ahead and bought the rest of them and, and took a go. Yeah, man. That, uh, I, I like that to the max album though, man. Like I, to the max. That's the name yeah, of it. To the max. Yeah, to the yeah. max. I, I, I like I like that project, man. That's another one. Uh, uh, one of those dope uh, album covers that I love uh, from you guys, man. That was man. That we were dapper. Y'all was, was clean. Y'all stayed up there. Y'all up there. We was clean, man. We was sharp, man. It was too sharp, man. Now, even even on that love shine on the back on the back of that love shine album, man. Y'all, y'all was, you know, man, y'all, y'all was some dressing. Uh, oh man, man, we dressed up, we dressed up, we dressed. That's why today, today's can function, man. When we hit the stage, we we dressed, hey, baby. I see. Well, I, I, yeah, I, I, I was looking, I was looking at you guys. Um, the single for your um, the uh, uh when you just uh dropped that uh project back in 2015, and I was watching the video. Um, yeah. And I was like, man, I forgot the name of the song. It's gonna come to me. It's gonna come. Your to night. Me. That's your night. Your night. Your night. And you, yeah. you know, so I, I love that. But look, let's go back a little bit. Like, let's go back. I want to fast forward. But before I fast forward, I can't, I cannot, I cannot mention, I, I cannot move forward without mentioning this song. And it's off that Candy Project. And 
I remember maybe 20, 2006, and I was there was a small clip of it on YouTube. And I've been hearing this song for 20 years, and I finally got to see you guys play it. Now that I have you here, I got to I need to know how did you guys come up with let me put love on your mind on that candy project because that guitar solo. I swear, man, you guys got in your Osley Brothers bag right there. Like, you guys did. You you guys, that is my favorite confunction song of all time. Like, sonically, it's so clean. The vocals, I mean, the arrangement. Talk, walk me through this particular song because to me, that is, I, I, love, I can go on and on about confunction. I'm the biggest confunction fan there is. <laughs> that, that's period, hands down. But that particular song, that's, that's, in my opinion, y'all magnum opus, in my opinion. Well, that song was written by Felton. Okay. Uh, it was, of course, performed by the group. Uh, okay. And it also has a very interesting story. Now, but it was 100% written by him, right? And okay. performed by him. Uh, and we're doing some of the background vocals on there, right? Okay. But it has a dueling guitar solo. <laughs> That's not that's not all me on there. That's not all me. So who that's else Felton. saw that? Felton's playing guitar. You you have to not put you, when you get sit down and listen to it. I'm playing a guitar called called an alembic, and the alembic had a high E on it, a, a one a, one extra fret more than any other guitar, right? Okay, okay, right. And when you listen to me play the guitar solo on there, you'll hear me go up. Up the E string, da 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 Wow! Yeah, yeah. That Olympic is the only guitar where you can do that. Everything else, you got to bend that note to get it right. Okay. Okay. Felton is playing the Fender, and he has a very Isley-ish type of touch to the Fender. So I knew I wasn't tripping when I because I didn't. Right. I wasn't trying to compare y'all to the Isley, but I'm gonna be honest. Like that. Let's, Michael. Confunction, y'all didn't do that. Y'all, y'all never had a song like that before. No, that 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 was under unique. What made that song unique was the guitar solo. And it's you're listening, you like um, you're listening. I could probably put it all together for you, but you're listening to t- the guitars are switching off. The first guitar solo, uh, he opens the song, and then the first, I think the first solo is me, and then the second solo is him. And then the final solo is me, right? And so it's it's just and it just was it was so fun to do it because we had to make sure people didn't catch that it was two different guitars. Only musicians I, would know. I, I I never knew like all these, right. even I saw it was like a, a I wish I can get that I can find that clip because they had it on YouTube and I saw you playing guitar on the yeah. solo. Yeah, but I didn't I didn't see him. That's oh no, he I, never played live. He only played in the studio. Yeah, okay, so I know I'm I know I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he only oh. played the guitar solo because he had a touch that we wanted. We wanted that touch, right? But that we also wanted the the knowledge that I had and the grit from that Olympic to hit that high E. So mm-hmm. he, we already knew because now what happened is we both played this a solo all the way through the song. Right. So that but the guy who mixed it took time to choose and pick the different types of solos to try to blend it together. Blend it, blend it, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, me and Felton were both big Santana uh, Isley fans. You know, we just, you know, Jimi Hendrix, I'm a really big Jimi Hendrix Santana guy. 
you know, and Felton's big Ernie Isley and that kind of stuff, you know. So, yeah, that, that's two different guitar solos. Man, I see. I'm glad I asked that question because for all these years, I've been hearing that song, like, you know, since I was a little, little child. And I've never realized that there was two guitar solos. I, 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 I was just assured that it was only one because I see the video and, and you know, and I saw that clip and this, this clip off, oh, man, I wish I could get that clip again, but I'll, I, I appreciate you uh, 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 talking about that story, you know, because that's my favorite song. And my second favorite song is, 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 is of course, uh, uh, Love's Train, you know, that's, that's, the, that's oh yeah. The, you know, so, Love's so it's crazy. So, so look, we about to, I, I want to get into every song, every album, but I do want to mention Chase Me, you know, Got to Be Enough. And the and I, I, reason why I bring these songs up because your voice. I want to talk about your voice. Thank you. <laughs> You're, for all these years, I'm trying to classify what is Michael Cooper. You have, when I hear you talk and then when I hear you sing, it's so unique. What I'm trying to find, like, what range is that? Is it first, ten, the second? It's, it's you have this thing where you, your voice stretches and it floats. It does. It's th it's this weird. It's it's beautiful. It's like it's sound. It's so unique. And for a long time, I thought like, man, maybe it's studio. It's like it's it's no way you can sound like that. I don't know if anybody man. ever told you, but you have the one of the most unique singing voices. And, and, and soul music history, man. Talk about that, man. How did you develop that? Well, uh, I will go back to the beginning. The beginning of our, I never sung uh, in church. I never sung, you know, I was not the lead singer of the original group. Uh, I got put in a position where I had to sing because of some of the copy stuff that we were doing to get hired. Okay. And okay. my job was to do the, uh, the Maurice White part and the Telly Pendergrass part. And my job was to do the Sugarfoot part and all the gotcha. songs that we've copied to, to pay the bills before we got our recording contract. So those ranges and those types of singing styles stuck with me. Mm. Felton's job, yeah, Felton's job was to sing the, the, uh, the Philip Bailey parts, the Russell Thompson's parts, and we did the stylistics. I, I just um, I just interviewed him like two days. Yeah, two yeah. Ago. That his job was to do the the falsettos and the things that and that when we did the copy music, right? So we just continued that duet type of thing throughout like our writing styles and throughout our singing styles. So that was that's how I came up with those voices. I, I'm a, a big Teddy Pendergrass fan, a big Maurice White fan, and a big Sugarfoot fan. So you know, it, you combine all that and you get the style of Owl. You get the you get that smooth thing of Teddy, the delivery. Yeah. You get that rough, uh, in-your-face delivery of Maurice, you know, and uh, it just it developed into a style. Next thing I know, I, I was it, you know. And, uh, and if you listen, it's funny because you listen to Michael Cooper in Confunction, and then you listen to Michael Cooper, the soloist, Solo. and then you start to hear the whole, that's when the whole thing of Owl came yeah. in. Because yeah. I didn't do a lot of that in Confunction. No, you didn't. You know? you didn't. I didn't do a lot of that in Confunction. I, I did a lot of that once I once 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 yeah. I got under the tutelage of Jay King and, and Club Nouveau. Yeah, he yeah. that's all he wanted. He said that's what people yeah. want to hear. They want to hear that Michael Cooper that, owl. That, that, that shoot shoot. Yeah, they want to hear that. that. <laughs> so so and then of course Benny Medina agreed. 
So yeah. there goes shoop shoop, and and then, and then I I had to fight like hell to get uh, dinner for two uh, released two. because you know you don't do no owl and dinner for two. You you sing, yeah. you know. You sing, it's, oh yeah, man, everybody yeah. wants you to do the owl thing, you know. So I said, well, we do another song. We do that. We do shoop yeah. shoop, you know, or we yeah. do, uh, you know, we do like should have been you was a straight vocal record that I that a guy wrote for me, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I and you know, I wrote the lyrics, he wrote the thing, but he said, man, just sing it. He said, you did that hey. dinner for two, sing it, sing it like you did dinner for two. So you get a you get something that people really they said, damn, he he's singing now. Yeah. He's just not standing yeah. in front of the microphone going, oh what can I doubt? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I can no, I didn't I can do that, but that's yeah. not all I can do, right? Now and then they used to compare me with Larry Blackman, and they would say, "Oh, you you sound like Larry Blackman." I'm thinking, well, we all adopted the style from from Sugarfoot and Maurice, yeah, right? And and, and, and uh, Larry Dotson, because all that was on Mercury. Yeah, yeah. Everybody, we, we adapted that style from yeah. Sugarfoot and Maury. Everybody kind of dropped it, and Larry, you know. Yeah. So it, it 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 was one of those things, man. I appreciate the comment, but I kind of fell into the whole vocal thing. I'm I'm a guitar player first. Yeah. And a vocalist second, and uh, and I just progressed over voice. the years. You got amazing voice, man. I, I used to I I I used to hear your voice on records, and I'm like, there's no way that he can duplicate that like live. Like I don't see how you can sound like that. I just did it. It's, I know you're probably like, man, what is he talking about? But it just your voice it sounds unreal. <laughs> it sounds it sounds unreal, brother. Like, I really don't you know I don't like my speaking voice. I'd rather I like my singing voice better than I do my speaking voice because my speaking voice is a combination of my brother and my dad, and it's not like I don't like. When I say it's not fair to say I don't like it. Yeah. It it when I hear a recording of me talking, yeah, it's a little bit irritating to me. Yeah, I want to hurry up. You know, everybody say that, people say that about me too. They say, man, you sound like you, man, you sound like you can do radio and this and this. I'm like, I don't like my voice like that, but that, but people do. I used to want to do radio, man. I, I that was my whole. I was going to hey. retire from music and do radio. Man, oh yeah, I, I I did some shifts. I did a couple of shifts. Far East Network. Yeah. I did uh, uh I did a couple of things at WDIA in Memphis. Mm -hmm. uh, the one thing I got got my start in the radio kind of a thing was with uh, uh, V101.1 in Sacramento, okay. and uh, I got that, and I actually could do my own stops and everything. I just you know I was I was. Hey, this is Michael Cooper, V101.1, your R&B and old yeah, station. Come, come on, man. You can do radio <laughs> easily, easily. I was, I was, I was doing it. They gave me my own little show. Easy. I could listen to myself. I, you know, I, yeah. I recorded it, and I could listen to it on the way home. Yeah. It, it was just really cool, man. But that music that music was there to stay, man. The music's there okay. to stay. All right. So, look, let's let's fast forward. Because I ain't going to go through all these songs, man. But the, the 70s was crazy. late 70s was crazy. Those 80s was just it seemed like as, as music was changing, you guys would still be was able to update your sound. And, you know, uh, when a lot of bands was kind of falling off, man, you guys went out with a bang, man. You guys still had uh, uh, Burning Love that reached number eight on the charts, yep. which was pretty mm -hmm. good for, for yep. that to be your final album uh, with Mercury. And, and you guys were on Mercury for a long time. So long time. Yeah. Talk, yeah. talk a little, talk a little bit about your, your, your relationship with Mercury records. I know also know the Barcades were with them for a long time yeah. as well. And we had a wonderful relationship with Mercury records. It, 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 it ran its course. We got re-signed and anytime you get re-signed, 
Uh, you know, we had a two record deal, then we had a three record deal, and then we had another three record deal. Anytime you get re signed like that, you're making the company money. Uh, yeah, and so we had a wonderful, wonderful relationship with them. And, and, and uh, you know, they went through their changes over the years. Uh, we start going through our changes over the years. Uh, and uh, then the, the whole conforming, you know, we're going to put you with um, uh, this producer so you can sound more like the hip hop that's coming in. And, you know, it was too late for that. You know, confunction was confunction. We were a horn band. We played live. We didn't use no drum machines. And once we <clears throat> got into the whole drum machine thing, and then uh, hooked up with Larry White, and we got the Electric Lady hit, uh, which we never played on stage. <laughs> Number three record, and never played it on stage. That's <laughs> funny. But we just weren't going to rap. We just weren't going to be a band and stand there and rap, you know. And we actually tried it a couple of times, and we were right. It just didn't work for us. And then we lost Felton, uh, and we then we replaced Felton with a gentleman, a, a very heavyweighted singer, uh, Melvin Carter. Uh, and things just changed too fast for Mercury, and they decided, okay, well, we're done. We're going to buy out. You know, you guys, uh, uh, fever, uh, fever didn't do what it had. We had Baby I'm Hooked. Baby I'm Hooked was all Felton, and once we lost Felton, we, we couldn't come back. And so it was a crisscross thing. You know, it was kind of like when Fun went down the charts and, sh and Shake and Dance came up. I signed Jay King and Club Nouveau were on fire. Jay King got me signed to Warner Brothers. Uh, I asked Warner Brothers, would they bring Confunction? They said, no, we'll take you. And that's how we came up with Prove My Love and Dinner for Two. And here we go again, right back on the charts with that same sound. So how was that like, man? Here we go. You leave. You leave. This is crazy. You leave uh, uh, Confunction with a top 10 hit. Then you then you, you, you start your solo career off with uh, uh, Love is Such a uh, Funny Game, and you got to prove my love reaches number three on the charts, goes all the way to number three on the charts. And immediately after leaving, how yep. was that? What was that feeling like? It was phenomenal, man. It was phenomenal because you we went through so the whole leaving confunction was traumatic. It was awful. I had I married a wonderful German woman, which I'm married to today for 34 years. And she came in and made that transition really soft for me. And she really gave me the confidence that I needed and to, and to listen to Jay and say, listen, the, the function thing can be reinvented, but not today. She, he said, you are perfect. You take our sound, put your voice yeah, on our sound yeah. and keep it going, keep it live. And we kept on rolling with the same confunction vocal thing on the top of that Club Nouveau beat. And, uh, and then Felton was my producer for Dinner for Two. So me and Felton would constantly work, continue to work, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. While he was with Hammer, he, he managed to put together Dinner for Two for me. So, and it just kept, the family kept going, man. And the hits kept rolling, man. I, yeah, and and yeah, yeah. Uh, Prove My Love, Dinner for Two, Should Have Been You, Shoop Shoop, shoop, shoop all that stuff. My, that's my joint. That's, that's that one and, and Let's Get Closer, man. I love that yep. one. Let's Get Closer. Let's, so. and, and, and that was on your last project on Warner Brothers. Yeah, you know, yep. so so yep. I mean, you, you you released two, like I said, you released two more uh, projects all together. You released three projects on, on Warner Brothers, very, very, very slept on projects, man. Um, you know, so it, I, 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 one of the things I have to I have to mention, you know, Michael Cooper wasn't just a, a, a group member, like he had a very, very, very nice solo, nice, nice solo career. So, um, you know, here we are. It's uh you know it's twenty is years has gone by and you know this uh seventies eighties uh uh resurgence that has has popped up in the nineties and two thousands how was that like seeing everybody just really 
accepting you guys is, and, and and loving you guys from another generation, my generation. You know, man, was it was it was unbelievably wonderful. It was just it, uh, my and my manager uh, at the time, Mike Gardner, who also manages the Whispers and Howard Hewitt. He at that time told me, he said, I got a gig. I got a call. He said, you're not going to like it. I just talked to him this morning. <laughs> yeah. He said, I got a call. You're not going to like it. I said, what? He said, I need you to put together the old band can function. I said, I said, I don't know if I can do that. He says, well, how about $30,000? You Can you do it now? I said, he said, I got $30,000 for you to play on New Year's Eve show at the Henry J. Kaiser Center. He said, you, you, can you get it? <laughs> I, I said, well, look, I said, go ahead and book it. I said, please go ahead and book it. I will make it happen because I already yeah. got I already got my rhythm section. All I got to do is convince Felton and Maceo and Carl to come along with me. And I wound up hooking. I, Felton came to my gig in Sacramento and I bought him on stage and we did shake and dance with me and got to be enough together. Right. With, with no rehearsal, just standing right there. Boom. We just did it. The audience went crazy. We got up the next morning. I met with him and his wife, me and my wife, yeah. met with him and his wife. We talked about doing that one show. I had we used my drummer, my bass player, my keyboard player, and then we called. I called Maceo, he was in. I called Carl, he was in. I had my four guys up front. That's all I needed at them to reproduce the sound. The Henry J. Kaiser Center blew up that night, man, because we were killing them. And yeah, we never yeah. looked back. At that point, yeah. at that point, we never looked back because I was then doing both solo and confunction, mm. right? So I had left Warner Brothers, but my hits were still getting played. Right. So I had to do solo uh, track dates, Cooper dates, right. and the new. And then we start getting these confunction dates, and finally, confunction start to you know radio start playing a lot more confunction, and so confunction got bigger and bigger and bigger. So yeah. that was yeah. that was twenty eight years ago. Mm. The wow. second second coming of confunction has yeah. been together yeah. twice as long as the original group. Twice as long. So so twice as, as long. So as of right now, what what who who are the members uh that that, that uh, make up confunction as of today? Because we uh, we lost Lewis uh back mm-hmm. in uh, uh I believe nineteen ninety seven. And uh mm-hmm. so 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 who's in confunction today? Well, there were three originals: myself, Carl Fuller, and Felton Pilot, and then mm-hmm. we have Eric EQ Young on bass, mm-hmm. Kirk Casey Clayton on keyboards. Brian Collier on drums, Ron uh, Moten on saxophone. And then, of course, we got, we always have an Escobedo on stage with us. We got Uh-oh. Renee Escobedo on. Oh, on man. Got one of uh, 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 Pete Escobedo's. Uh, yeah. yeah. That's, Pete, yeah. that's Pete's nephew. Pete's nephew. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. man. Oh, man. So, so, so what do you think? You know, here we are. We, it's, 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 it's 2015. I mean, it's, uh, it's 20. Well, I'm. <laughs> 2015, you guys released your last project, and yep. man, I, I I really love this project. I'm surprised of how how polished and clean that is sound as as far as maintaining that confunction sound, but you updated as far as the technology, and you guys pulled it off, man. So talk about that last project that you guys um you know with the with the your night that you know the your night yeah. uh, video, and you know talk about that last project. Well, the Your Night, uh, the, the project came together more than love. Uh, it was just an idea that I had that we just had to, we were getting older. So we had to do one more project, which 
we're still not done because we got to do a, a, a Christmas project as well. But okay. we decided that we were going to be the Charlie Wilson of the bands. We were going to come back and be the Charlie Wilson of the bands. I, I, so I, I, hear, I hear a little bit of that. I ain't want to yeah. say that. <laughs> yeah, we're going to be the Charlie Wilson of the band. So we hooked up with the Charlie Wilson camp. Oh, and Marlon, okay. it was Marlon and, and Uncle Charlie had a record that he passed on to us, right? Uh, and that happened to be called Your Night. He passed on the record and this recommended that Confunction do the song. I swear, I, I didn't want to say anything, but I was like, man, this sounds, uh, I, but I like it. I like it because I'm a huge yeah. Charlie Wilson fan. But I, yeah. really, I, I did notice a little influence, but I loved it because it yeah. still sounded like Confunction. Like yeah. the album yeah, yeah. itself, when you listen to the album as a whole, it still sounds like Confunction. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a total today's Confunction album. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Your Night was purposely targeted uh, and, and engineered to be the first single. It did yeah. very well for us, yeah. very well. Yeah. But yeah. It, it came out in an era of just strictly pay to play. You know, you get pay dollars if you're gonna if you're gonna get in that Charlie Wilson arena and you got drop some money on your single. And I do mean six figures. Ooh. And uh, that's just something when we tried it, it went so far, but we couldn't keep that money flowing to make that record go all the way up the charts. And here's the here's the thing that we what we we were told, and but we just was I I ain't gonna say we I say I was just too hard headed. We were told that you, no matter what you do. As a, a in the new record realm, you will never top fun, love strange, shake and dance with me, chase me. Those records, you can't do nothing. That's why people gonna call you. And sure enough, we would we were number 22 with a bullet. We'd arrive in a sound and play your night. People would be looking at us like, what are y'all playing? Right? And then we go to the next town, same thing. And then we go to one town and, and everybody was grooving off of it because it was on the radio. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so we then we got to Charlotte. I'll never forget. We got to Charlotte. And we stopped. We got we played it, and everybody was yeah, it's a great song. And I said, well, how many people heard that song before? Nobody. How many people think we should release that song? They raised their hands. Everybody, yeah, they released that song. The record been out already two months. So we said, okay, that's it. We ain't used to that kind of record business. We we out. We not doing this because we can't have a hit record in one part of the country and the next part of the country nobody don't know ain't never heard it. That is not our, what we're here for. And uh, we, so we didn't fail. We learned a great lesson. lesson. And the record went ahead and sold what it sold and still selling to this day. People are steady nice. buying it. It's they a, downloading it's a, it. It's a solid project through and through. Yeah. It's a, and, you know, some of the things on that record, again, is, are just absolutely phenomenal, man. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I've, I've, I've got records today that I that that uh, I, I play things off of that album and I wish I could just go ahead and release them. What we mm -hmm. are going to do, though, is a, a new we are going to do a Christmas record. Oh, We're wow. going to do a final best of of Confunction. It's going to be a one more best of. It's the 50th anniversary. We'll be mm. 50 years old in a year and a half. Wow. We'll make the big 5-0. Um, so we're going to do our 50th uh, anniversary edition, and we'll have a couple of new tunes on there that we can hopefully drop as singles. Okay. But uh, we'll do the new uh, best of Michael Cooper, Confunction Christmas, and the mm. 50th anniversary release. Uh, and uh, then we're gonna say see ya on the stage. We'll be done hey. done with the studio at that point. Hey, I know that's right. I know you guys are looking forward to getting back out there. I went to see you guys in Atlanta back in 2006. You destroyed it. I'm talking about the vocals on point, the musicianship was just amazing. 
Thank I mean, you. Guys, Thank you. guys I, I was highly, highly impressed, man, to see you guys haven't had you, you know you guys didn't miss a beat you know so it's, it was an honor to see you you see you guys at least once in my lifetime you know thank you man thank you well it looks to me like my battery is gonna die it's all good it's all good no no it's okay it's okay i'm looking at it up here and it's going uh-oh dog okay. you're gonna get cut off it's okay it's okay well look look uh uh mike um it's been an honor to have you on here you know, we got the one and only, the legend himself, Michael Cooper of Confunction. You know, brother, keep doing your thing, brother. You're looking good, man. You got to give me some secrets as far as, like, how can I look like you when I get, like, five years from now? Because, <laughs> Hey, I don't know. Are, are you married? I'm about to, and I, I wanted to talk more about that, but maybe we can do that another time. Well, you, you, your woman gonna make sure you're looking good and groomed and looking young, and you stay in that gym. Stay in that gym. Don't get that gym 40s. up for I'm in my forties, so I'm like, you know. Oh, see, you you're a baby, but you, <laughs> you're a baby. You're a baby, man. You you're shoot, man. You you are younger. You might be younger than my oldest child, but you if you're in your forties, man. Yeah. All my kids are in their forties, so. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. man, don't, don't just get in that gym, man. Drink a lot of water. Don't mess. You don't smoke. No, al no alcohol. No sweats. What I, that's me. Drink that water. Take them vitamins, man, and get on them knees and ask God to give you all the help you can, that you can get, man, because we Lord knows we need it. And uh, and, and, and plant them. You put them young folks in the right direction, man. Make sure you put them young folks in the right direction. You know, OK. And that'll keep you young. Young people keep you young, baby. No doubt. Well, look, those are the final words. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, right. We're going to ride out to that right there. I'm Malak Arif, the legend, Michael Cooper of Confunction. We signing out. Brother, it was a pleasure. You take care. You have a great evening. Wonderful. I love you, man. God bless you. God bless you. Keep you. Thank you Likewise. so much. Likewise, brother. Take care. All right.